indeed, what do you preach on? What have you not heard? (laughs) What is specifically so special about Jesus? Well, I guess that's not a question. We all have our own answers, and we all know the answers to that, don't we? Well, he was born of the Spirit. That's special. He's my Savior. Well, I guess that makes me special. He's the Son of God, and he is God. That's special. He died for my sins. That is unbelievable. His resurrection gave me eternal life. And we could go on. We could really stay here for a while and talk about all the things that are special about Jesus. But let us indeed, let us just pray for guidance and wisdom to understand this passage that we have looked at today. Our loving Father, I do ask that you will be with us all, that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to this message, that the message will honor your name, that it will bring clarity, and indeed, Lord, that we will come to love your Son even more than what we did yesterday. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us start with the last Old Testament prophet's words. John, John the Baptist, in his first chapter gave us this knowledge. We have read this. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decisions or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John speaks, of course, of the incarnation of the Son of God and the early problems that was facing Jesus, as you hear. John's purpose, sole purpose in life, was to live and to introduce Jesus to the world. He was not like the prophets of old, prophesying of the future arrival of a promised Messiah sometime. No, he was actually introducing the Messiah in person. And he was introducing him to the people living at that time in Jerusalem. He was to proclaim the need for people to believe on the name of Jesus and also repent of their sins. And this gives you and I reason to then ponder in our hearts when we read these things. Why would we place our trust in Jesus? And why would he become someone that we would even want to be with? There are so many people around us everywhere that just doesn't get the whole idea of the fact that a man like Jesus could be God. Quite possibly a nice man, but a creator God? That's a bit step far too far. So what is it that makes him so incredibly different? Is it his greatness? Is it the fact that we know him from the Bible to be the creator Is it because he died to set us free from sin? Or 
is that he is the resurrected Jesus making it possible for us to also have eternal life with him in heaven. See, we're all free to have our own special reason for loving him. But let me share what I understand to be the most attractive and the most important part of Jesus. And when we do that, let us first consider what Jesus taught us in Matthew 15, 18. But the things that comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and these make a man unclean. Everything that comes out of the mouth of Jesus shows him to be a righteous, sinless, clean man. That becomes the starting point for me when I look at Jesus. It is the heart of Jesus that is so different to the heart of man. Jesus also gave his disciples this truth in 1037, as we just had read to us. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. This verse and truth from Jesus, spoken by Jesus and coming from his heart, should make any man or woman sit bolt upright and take notice. But Jonathan Edwards, a great theologian living in America, teaching, spoke to the children about this particular subject. The message Jonathan wanted for the children was simply this. Children ought to love the Lord Jesus above all things in the world. Let me give you the start of this message that he gave to the children way back in that year. There is no love so great, so wonderful as that which is the heart of Christ. He is the one that delights in mercy. He is ready to pity those who are in suffering and sorrowful circumstances. On the delights in the happiness of his creatures... To love the grace that Christ has manifested exceeds that which all in the world, even that the sun is brighter than a candle. His love is greater than anything. And parents are often full of kindness towards their children, but there is no kindness like Jesus Christ. Well, see, like Jonathan Edwards, we should also exhort each other. We certainly should exhort our children to love Jesus more than everything else the world has to offer, that of the loving heart of Christ. When you and I take the time to really ponder the heart of Christ, we will soon enough come to realize the beauty or loveliness of his gracious heart. There is no love so great and so wonderful as that which is in the heart of Christ. Once we get that point and we understand really the depth of that message. We're also much closer to understand why he is also all attractive to you and I. As people were drawn to beauty, we generally are. We like beautiful things. But this is light of spiritual beauty that we get from this. Then all other beauty just becomes a shadow of it. And when we read in Colossians 1.19 that for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, the Son, we will then arrive at the inescapable conclusion 
that everything that is lovely in God is in Christ. For he's a man as well as a God, and he is the holiest, the meekest, the most humble, and in every way the most excellent man that ever was. And if in doubt, we can read Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He loves us deeply. We often speak of the glory of God and the glory of Christ. But what is it about God's glory that draws us in and causes us to battle our sins and try even attempting to be radiant people? It may be the sheer size of God or maybe the consideration of the immensity of the universe that he created. And from that, we arrive at him as the creator. Is that what it is? Or just maybe it is a sense of God transcendent greatness and a mix of all these that then pulls us towards him. Quite likely, to some extent, all of that. But I still maintain that the full and serious change us to bring us to a humble servanthood is when we behold the loveliness of his heart that becomes to fulfillment. It brings us to a point where we realize the love that he had for us, that he's willingly lived amongst us, went to the cross and died for our sins. That's the heart we need to look at. And if such understanding doesn't urge you as parents to strive each day to make this truth alive for your children, if that truth won't do it, then what will? And not just as parents either. But what about you and I? What about us? We live here as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why would we not make sure that we all have that before us each and every day? Shouldn't our grasp of the goodness of his heart and his grace and mercy cause us then to treat each other with the same kindness, with the same care? I would agree that the sight of God's greatness, seeing and admiring the awesomeness of creation as it is around us, even for an unbeliever, may even overwhelm man's mind. But seeing God's greatness in that sense is not the deepest need in our lives. That's not what we need. But seeing and experiencing and understanding the goodness of the Christ's heart, that is, that is our deepest need. So look at what this means for us. Let us draw you in through the loveliness of this heart. The heart of Jesus, born this day by Mary. It is a heart that will scold the unrepentant with all the harshness they deserve. Yet embrace the penitent with more openness than we are able to even comprehend. It is a heart of perfect balance, perfect proportion, never overreacting, never excusing, never lashing out. His heart is one that yearns for the destitute. It is a heart that floods the suffering with a deep solace of empathy. 
He understands us. When you suffer, he knows. The heart of Jesus is gentle and lowly. We really ought to at all times ponder Jesus through his heart. As we always told in the Bible, God knows what is in the heart of man. And so we should be aware of the condition and the state of the heart of Jesus. That's where the truth lies. And our striving must always be through the guiding of his Holy Spirit to build up our comprehension on how his love has changed our lives like no other love could ever do. When we look at and read about the lives of the old prophets like David, Daniel, Nehemiah, not to forget Moses, how did they ever become such incredible servants of the Lord? Could it have been the sound doctrine that they were taught? Of course it was. Was it a resolute obedience without doubt and suffering without becoming cynical? It was that too, wasn't it? Again, I'm not sure the deepest reason is that they have over time been won over in their deepest affection to a gentle, gentle saviour because they knew him. They all had over many years experienced a Christ from whom their very sins draw him in rather than push him away. Those men knew him, understood all that. David may be more than all of them. I'm sure they had not only known that Jesus loved them, they had each and every one of them had felt it. And we have in some way also felt that. At some point in your life, as you have given your life to Christ, you have felt the love of Christ in you. Felt the burden of sin as we stand before him, and yet also felt the relief of the guilt when we understand the sort of love and mercy that he has for us. The greatest gift anyone can give anyone else must be the teaching and sound doctrine and biblical understanding of history, but greater than those is the making clear to our children and their children that of understanding the heart of God. They need to understand not the history of it only, they need to understand what's behind it, and that is the heart of God. The prophet John had this in his heart when he was blessed with God's Holy Spirit in the womb of his mother. He had known the Savior before either of them were born. How well do you and I, how well do we know our Savior? Having been married to Marie for over 40 years, I can truly say I know her well, but not completely. That takes more time. She's a woman. And so it is with our great loving Savior, Jesus Christ. It will take time. It will take effort. It will take all of your heart to come to an understanding of the size and the grace and the mercy that lives in his heart for you. We are assembled here today to celebrate his incarnation as a man, that he may live among us about the Father and then for him to take our punishment to set us free. The first incarnation is the most wonderful moment in history. 
but there is a time to come that will be even greater. That of his return when we are brought home to be with our loving Savior forever. The point is, have you ever really taken seriously time and effort in your busy days and your busy life to ponder the very heart of Jesus? May his love permeate your life and his spirit living in your heart and bless you with even greater appreciation for what gift you have already received from him out of his sheer love for you. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we can only come to you to thank you for the goodness of your heart. Thank you for all that you do for us, for the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace that you pour out on us constantly, for the time that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ that we can come to worship you and you keep us safe, Lord. You've given us, at least here as we are here in Woodford, we are in a part of the world that is safe to worship. It's safe to proclaim that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all our hearts. But we pray for those in other parts of the world, Lord, where that proclamation will place their lives in jeopardy. So we just ask, Lord, that being we are so safe, let us indeed share the gift. Share the gift of life. Share the truth of the story, the birth of your Son, and indeed, Lord, the forgiveness that comes from that. We thank you for all these things on this special day. In the holy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We have...